You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry, Jeff Griffin. We are here in Indianapolis staying at the big and blue, beautiful JW Marriott. We couldn't miss it when we drove by. It's so accessible to all the things that we're going to be doing today in Indianapolis. We have a very full show for you. One thing I love about Indianapolis, one of many things, it's a town built on a grid. I love the grid system when you go somewhere and it's just really easy to find your way around. Step up your game, Rome. Paris, let's get this together, okay? Look, I know you've got, you know, these rivers and things and coastlines and da da da, but let's get a grid going there so I can find my way around easier, especially when all the signs aren't in English. <laughs> That's true. Remember that time we took the taxi in Rome and it was like we had no idea where we were going and then we turned the corner and there was the Coliseum. We were like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Now, I love grids, too. It does make me feel like I know where I'm going. But, yes, Indianapolis, one of the most walkable cities I've ever been in. It's a huge convention town as well. We were staying near the convention center. Uh, but the JW Marriott is hooked on to the White River State Park, which is absolutely beautiful. You can see it right down here below, walking to some great restaurants, great downtown areas. It's just really great and accessible here. Before we came here, my familiarity with Indianapolis was that a Super Bowl had been here and some NCAA Final Fours had been here. And I'm a big sports nut, and I had been reading all these sports reporters who were talking about what a great time they had coming to Indianapolis, how everything was walkable, how the people were friendly, and just what a great town it was. When we got here, it not only met my expectations that way, but there were also things that we did here that we're going to talk about today that I was kind of like, who knew this was here? Who knew there's a, there's a huge state park right next to downtown? Who knew you could go on a gondola ride in downtown Indianapolis? So there's a lot of really cool stuff here. So much cool stuff, in fact, that we kind of divided things up into two episodes. We're going to talk about some of the main things today. We also did an episode where we focused on activities for families that kids will really enjoy. And this is a place that's got some incredible places to go in terms of family activities. Coming up on today's show, one of the first things we do every time we go to a hotel is track down the concierge, ask them what there is to do, where we need to go. Besides the things that you look up on the internet, there's always some secret things the concierge always let you know. We went to the JW Marriott concierge, Laura Jordan, and asked her, what do we want to do while we're here in town? Send us to a lot of great places, and we've got interviews with some of those coming up. We're going to be talking with St. Elmo's, a very famous steakhouse. If any of you who are fans of Parks and Rec, this is where Ron Swanson had the bachelor party that he never had. It's, it's a long story, but if you want great steak, this is, this is an amazing place. Have you recovered? I'm still, <laughs> still seeing a cardiologist. And then the first thing you ever think about when I say Indianapolis is the Indy 500. We went out there, went to the Speedway Museum, and we got an interview there. We also did something really unique here. There's some beautiful canals here in downtown Indianapolis, and we went on a wonderful gondola ride serenaded by beautiful Italian music. And finally, we went to Fountain Square, which is a area of the city that's been redeveloped and has a lot of cool hangouts, including a place where you can try duck pin bowling. Stay tuned and find out what that is. That and a lot more on today's show when we come back, Hot Topics. Again, you can check out all of this stuff on our website, TravelBrigade.com, and you can also tweet us at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. What's not? What's trending? Next up, this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel.
Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I'm Jeff Griffin here in Indianapolis. We're staying here at the beautiful JW Marriott, looking at this gorgeous city from both sides. We have the state park on one side, the downtown on another. Can't seem to go wrong with the view, that is for sure. We've got a lot coming up on today's show, but first, let's get to hot topics in travel. If I tell you, hey, we're going on a vacation, and if I tell you, hey, we're going on a trip, is there any difference in your mind? I think for a person who's traveled a lot, I do kind of know the difference, but I think, well, at least in my, my interpretation of the difference, is a trip is a trip where you're just actually leaving your house. It doesn't matter if it's a business trip or work trip or whatever. A vacation is something where you're sitting by the pool and you're having a margarita. I came across a really fun article on the Huffington Post. It's by a woman named M. Blazon. That's M. B. L. A. Z. O. N. E. D. And I'm not sure if her name is really Mary Blazoned or anyway, M. Blazoned is a great name. And she's a great writer. She writes about the difference between a vacation or a trip, and particularly in terms of if you're traveling with your kids. <laughs> Let me guess. Not a vacation. <laughs> Let me quote something, not to be a super downer, but chances are if you have kids, you aren't going on a vacation at all. You're going on what I like to call a trip. While there's nothing wrong with a family trip, it should never, ever be confused with a vacation. And I think she's really right. Those of you who are parents out there, I, I think you know this immediately, but I would still check out this article because she puts a lot of fun spin on it. That's absolutely hysterical. And I can, without even reading it, know she's spot on right true. She gives some helpful advice as well about, you know, picking out where you're going to stay, what you're going to do. And I found that the key to traveling with kids is to not overdo it, to pick one or two things a day and, and stick with those. Or pick one or two things a day without the kids and stick to that. That's always an option, too. Coming up, we've got an interview with Laura Jordan, the concierge at the JW Marriott. She's going to talk with us about some things to do in Indianapolis. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We have just rolled into Indianapolis. It's, again, my first time here. I'm here with Jeff Griffin. He had to run over to the NCAA Hall of Champions because he had to get there to go see some really cool stuff before it closed. So I am lucky enough to be sitting here at the JW Marriott, a beautiful hotel where you actually, we drove into town and it's you can't miss it. It is, it is so much bigger than anything around it. And you see this huge JW Marks. It's a beautiful hotel. And one side of the hotel, we're looking over this beautiful park. And the other side of the hotel, we're looking at the beautiful downtown. And we were lucky enough because we always have our go-to person while we're at the hotel help us out about what we want to do while we're here in Indianapolis. And we were lucky enough to find Laura Jordan, who is the concierge here at the hotel, to talk to us a little bit about some great things to do while we're here in Indianapolis. We have a booked itinerary. We're excited to go and try some of these things. But I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the top attractions that are here in Indianapolis and why it is that people come here to visit. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay, first of all, um, when you find our hotel, we're nicknamed Big Blue, appropriately, because uh-huh. it's very big, 1,005 rooms. Oh, my goodness, if you come here, I, you know, depending upon what it is that you want to do, there's family-friendly. We, of course, in the Midwest, we eat and eat well. Uh, there's sports, there's music, there's all sorts of things. We, um, other than Washington, D.C., have more war memorials than any other city, state, country in the Midwest or in the country, 
Uh, we have uh, visiting right now, we have the Vietnam War uh, monument here right along our canal. Uh, let's see, we also have the speedway, the IMS, as we call it, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Today, we had the uh, GP Motorsports, which is the Grand Prix of Motorsports. Let's see, every year we host, of course, the Indianapolis 500. We had the Grand Prix for IndyCars for the first time in five years. It came back. Uh, we also do the Brickyard 400, which is NASCAR. And then all during the year, uh, the track is open for guests. There's an incredible museum there that even if you're not a car lover or you don't follow racing is wonderful to go back and look at like AJ Foyt I and mean, all old school drivers so we have that and it's uh, you think it's a long way away uh, it's um, a five minute car drive from downtown Indy Perfect. And one of the things that we have on our itinerary is, and which is really amazing, we're going to be in the middle of downtown Indianapolis going on a gondola. Oh, goodness. Well, they speak Italian. They sing Italian. Uh, the canal, which is runs all through downtown, is driven. You have a gondola driver or rower, and he sings to you. Uh, you can make arrangements. You can have a fruit basket, wine, and bread, and they do that, and they do it all summer long. They actually do it until uh, the weather gets below freezing. So they'll eat, even when it's cool, they'll bring you heated blankets. So that part is lovely. Uh, there's pedal boats along the canal as well. Uh, there's rollerblading on on the sides of the canal. So you can hook up from, you can run from the canal all the way through downtown back into White River Parkway. Perfect. Now tell me a little bit about the Fountain Square area. Well, it is new and upcoming. It is a little bit old school uh, because it's very historic. They have a older uh, theater that they just refurbished, but it looks just like it would have been, would have looked in like the 1920s. They have duck pin bowling, which has disco lights going on, and they have a cafe that is really like probably what we would have seen in the 50s. Uh, so they do handmade milkshakes, great, great burgers, french fries. Uh, they're open 24 hours, but then they also have new restaurants uh, like Bluebeard, which is a lot more like more contemporary. It's farm to table, and that's a bit of the push of Indianapolis. You know, we live in the Midwest. We grow. We have great soil. So we have a lot of fresh, fresh food. And those are the places that we're going to now. Tell me a little bit about we have on our agenda to go to St. Elmo's Steakhouse, which uh, I'm excited to go to. I've heard a lot about it. But just maybe the difference between going to somewhere like that and then talking about something kind of local and fun. Like we have heard that there's this kind of underlying competition around the city about pork tenderloin sandwiches. Oh, my goodness. Okay, if you come to Indy, you've never been here before, uh, if you love a great steak and shrimp cocktail, that is where you have to go. I recommend either petite filet, medium rare, baked potato. I always say yes because that should be loaded. Cocktail sauce is what they're famous for. They make it fresh every single day. And uh, if you don't know, you should be warned because it's made for with uh, fresh horseradish. You won't feel it on your tongue, but the second you breathe, but it's beautiful as as long as you know what's coming, it's not going to be a shock to your system. People forget that they have great prime rib. It will melt in your mouth. You'll never even have to chew it. And it is the only St. Elmo's in the world. I and mean, it's locally owned, has been here forever, and it is and it is an experience. Great wait staff, incredible red wine selections. So, yes, if you're here, you need to do that. But if you don't want to, uh, because it's not inexpensive, if you're really in Indiana to get a bit of history and the flavor of the city, 
you have to do a breaded pork tenderloin sandwich. That is what we're known for. You know, we raise pork here, so you are going to, uh, if you need a couple, which you're going to have to, you want to be unhealthy and just enjoy it, do it breaded. You, you can do it unbreaded as well, grilled, but do a breaded pork tenderloin sandwich. Um, most of the restaurants downtown, almost any restaurant in Indy is going to do that, but there's a little place uh, on Washington Street. Family-owned, uh, it's called Lock Miller's, and uh, it's right across from our state house. Breaded pork tenderloin sandwiches with onion rings or tater tots. That's a good thing here, too. Wonderful. So a guest comes to you and wants to know maybe something off the hidden path, a little secret place that you like to send people, whether it's a museum, a park. What's one or two of those little places that you like to send people, whether here in Indianapolis? Well, if you have children, I would send you, we have a Glick Historical uh, Museum just north of us, uh, which is really fun. It's very interactive uh, to go to. If you're here as adults and you just want, I mean, great people watching, great food, um, very eclectic, Massachusetts Avenue. Um, we call it Mass Ave, but there is like one little little pub after the other. There's a little shop called Silver in the City. There's an old school toy store, and it's great. I mean, really great people watching. You can just go there, and if you don't like one place, you can walk across the street and go to the place called Ball, Ball and Biscuit, or you can go up to a little place called Plow and Anchor, which is, just like it sounds, farm to table and a lot of fresh seafood, and it's really just, I mean, all these things have just kind of, uh, over this last year and a half, been incredible. I mean, if you want to go to a baseball game, we have that. If you want to go see a really good football team, go to see the Colts play, because we start in a couple weeks. And there's, I mean, there's just nothing dull about the city. Wonderful. Uh, we will have information not only about the hotel, but about some of these uh, wonderful places on our hot sheet for today's show. You can check that out at TravelBrigade.com. You can also check us out at Twitter or Instagram at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Now you know why we always go to the concierge, because they always have great information and tips that get us through our trips when we're here visiting town. There are so many other great things actually just here at our fingertips here at the hotel right next to the JW Marriott. Yeah, as we look down, we can look onto White River State Park, and I love it when they put a park right in the middle of a city. That's what we've got here. It's got a river winding through it. It's got canals. It's a place where you can just go hang out, do a picnic. You walk around, look at sculptures. It's got stages there for music. You can rent bikes. It's also the place where the NCAA Hall of Champions is. The National Collegiate Athletic Association is located here, and they've got a Hall of Champions, which sort of commemorates all the different sports and the different champions in the sports. Also in the park, you simply walk across a bridge and you're at the zoo. And we talk about the zoo a lot in our companion episode to this one where we talk about family activities in Indianapolis. And let me tell you, the zoo is not to be missed. It's got this orangutan exhibit that is like nothing I've ever seen before and is so big, we can actually see it from our window in the hotel. There's also a lot of other things we talk about in the family episode. You definitely want to check it out, including their world-famous Children's Museum, which is absolutely incredible. 
Coming up, we not only have an interview, but have indulged in one of the best meals we've had in our entire lives at a classic steakhouse here in Indianapolis that has been around for 100 plus years called St. Elmo's Steakhouse. And then if you come to Indy, you got to check out the Indy 500. We're going to go out to the museum and look at some classic cars. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Check out our hot sheet for today's show at TravelBrigade.com, or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. You're going to get a little hungry when you're traveling the globe. Whether it be fine dining, a regional specialty, or a small local street cart, you got to eat. Next up, you got to eat. Mmm, good. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. We're here in Indianapolis. And, of course, as part of our segment here, hopping around doing all these great things in Indianapolis, we do our segment that we always do called You Gotta Eat. Yeah, and one thing people told us you got to do when you come to Indianapolis is go to St. Elmo's Steakhouse and not only get a steak, but get the appetizer, which is the shrimp cocktail, the best shrimp cocktail in the world. They only do one appetizer, and it's the shrimp cocktail. You know why? Uh, Because it's the only thing on the menu. It's the only thing. It's the only choice. It's the only thing they need to do. It's that good. Here to tell us more about it is Bryn Jones. And Bryn, let's start with the shrimp cocktail. What makes it so special? Why has it become so famous here? Uh, well, the, the shrimp cocktail is, it's kind of a trial by fire, you know, and, and we'll get guests. Some people, if they've tried it before, they obviously know it's extremely spicy. We'll get a lot of guests who they'll bring somebody in for the, you know, their first time trying it and they'll request that we don't warn them so they can see the look on their, their friend's face um, when they try it for the first time. So it, uh, it's definitely extremely spicy and it's what we're known for and it's, it's the way it's always been. Tell us a little bit about the history of the steakhouse itself and and just how long it's been around, how it became a staple here in Indianapolis. Yeah, St. Elmo's been around, uh, St. Elmo's Steakhouse has been around since 1902. It originally opened uh, as a tavern. So, uh, and then, you know, over the years, it's uh, it, it survived. I mean, it survived prohibition and, you know, all the expansion and changes in the city that have, that have happened, you know, over over a century. It's it's now just kind of grown and, and really in the last, I'd say, you know, 15, 20 years, the city has really grown up around it uh, to where now we have one of the best convention centers uh, in the United States. Uh, you've got, you know, pro sports teams with the Colts and the Pacers, that has kind of grown up around it. And, and we've been fortunate enough to be right, you know, in, in the middle of, of all of that success that the city has seen. Well, we're walking around seeing pictures of everybody that is anybody besides us, because we, we're waiting. Our picture's going up after tonight, I'm assuming. But tell us some of the, you know, kind of people who patron this establishment to give it, you know, a little bit of uh, street cred there of, of how amazing this place is. Yeah, we're very fortunate that, you know, if a celebrity comes to town or a pro sports, you know, athlete, I mean, they, this is typically where they end up. Um, I think somebody asked me that question uh, about a year ago and what popped into my head, and I'm not sure where from, but said, who's been here? And I said, uh, LeBron James, uh, JFK, and everyone else in between. Uh, I think those two, you got a pretty diverse uh, background of, of, of famous people by, by just throwing out those two names. So looking at the menu, what are the, besides the shrimp cocktail, we know that's a have to do. What are the other have to do's while you're here at the steakhouse? Um, it, uh, it's not St. Elmo's Fish House. So we have great fish, uh, great seafood, uh, but we recommend steak. So uh, porterhouse if you're really hungry, but pretty much any steak you get is, is going to be a, a very well-cooked and very high-quality meat steak. What do you think keeps people coming back here time after time and this place just keeps expanding and growing more famous? 
Ah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think there's an extreme amount of pride that everyone has that works here from the service staff to, you know, the hostesses at the front door, the management staff, the owners, just a great sense of pride that when people come here, they've heard that, you know, we're the best restaurant, you know, in, in Indianapolis or the best steakhouse in Indianapolis. And so there's a great sense of pride to make sure that we deliver on that expectation. And so, I mean, I, I think our, our customers set a very high bar. And so to make sure we can deliver on that, we try to set a, a standard that's even a little bit higher than that because there is such a high expectation when, when people come in. So I'm going to assume that you kick people out that ask for their steak well done or ketchup, something like that. I'm just going to go with that because any good steakhouse should. But best way to order your steak? Uh, medium rare is is typically that that's where you want to be. If it's there's some argument that could be made for a ribeye that has a little bit more marbling in it that you might you know want to caramelize the steak a little bit more. Maybe your medium on a ribeye, but most people medium rare is, is the best answer. That's the golden ticket. We are going to be enjoying our meal here tonight, eating our way through, enjoying here at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Yeah, this was where, for those of you who are Parks and Rec fans, uh, this was where Ron Swanson, who is the world's biggest steak fan, this is where he held his bachelor party, probably the most famous fictional character ever to eat here. And I'm going to try to see if I can out-eat him tonight. That sounds great. We're going to have information about St. Elmo's Steakhouse on our hot sheet for today's show. You can check that out at TravelBrigade.com. You can also check us out at Twitter and Instagram at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. Not sure where to go, what to do, and where to sleep? Up next, hot hotels, unique activities, and top attractions in our destination city. Check it out. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We are in Indianapolis, and if there is one race on the planet that you say to somebody, name a race for me, they will say the Indianapolis 500. We came out here today. I came hoping to end up with a jug of milk and kissing the bricks, but it uh, didn't quite work out that way with my driving skills. But here to tell us more about it is Donald Davidson, who is the historian here at the Indianapolis 500 Speedway. And what is it about this track? There are so many tracks around the country, around the world. What is it about this particular track and race that has made it the race that everyone knows? This is probably the pioneer racetrack. There were other tracks before that, but mostly it was road courses in this country uh, and, and not purpose-built road courses, but just open roads. And, and uh, so they'd blo- you know, block off some of the, the streets and, and make a track. But this was a purpose-built facility, two and a half miles, probably the first of the super speedways in this country by many, many years. And it was built as a combination proving ground for the automobile industry and then also to occasionally have races and in the track's third year they decided to have a 500 mile race which would start at 10 o'clock in the morning and then uh, run all day and be over uh, you know by six or so and uh, they, they, there were trials and tribulations in the early days of the track but the first 500 was a huge success and uh, it's been held every year since except for the war years there's six years when it was not held and uh, but very quickly it sort of became the iconic race and by a American standards, at least, is pretty unique because it's the same place and it's it's been added to. But they, I, I say it, you know, they didn't at some point say, well, let's build another Indianapolis Speedway across the street and knock this one down. This is the one and only original Speedway. Speaking of one and only originals, I'm looking at the car, the very car that won the very first Indy 500. It's, it's part of the Indy 500 Hall of Fame Museum that you can visit. If you happen not to be here on any other weekend but the Brickyard 400 and the, or the Indy 500, you can come and visit this place and learn more about the history of it. Tell us about some of the cars that are here, some of the highlights. 
Okay, well, first of all, the museums open every day of the year except for Christmas Day and Thanksgiving. But uh, there's, there are a number of Indianapolis 500 winners here, including the very first winner from 1911. But there are, uh, it, it's a very diversified collection. And so we have some early Grand Prix cars here. And uh, we've got some passenger cars, uh, early day Indiana-built automobiles. So there's a Duesenberg there and a Stutz and, uh, and a Marmon. And then we've got motorcycles and around the walls, we have display cases with trophies and a lot of memorabilia that came from the drivers themselves. And there's also about a 20-minute movie that you can watch that was narrated by you that I found really informative. It, I had always wondered why they called it the Brickyard. I did not realize it had originally been paved with bricks. I didn't know it had almost gone to rack and ruin during World War II. Is there any one sort of turning point you can see? Was it post-World War II for this track? Uh, no, because the thing had sat for four or five years and the locals thought it was going to be torn down and turned into a housing development. And miraculously, it was saved. And the first year, they had the biggest crowd they'd ever had. Uh, it, it, first year after the war, everybody was sort of, they were back and clamoring for entertainment. And so the first race was, uh, in 46, first race after the war was just huge. And uh, that sort of set the uh, the stage for, for, for years. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, there's also a track tour that you can do here. Yes. Uh, yeah, actually, normally uh, you can take a ride around the track on on a bus for it's like 11 minutes. And uh, but there are some days when that's not available. And as we're talking, uh, we just had a big motorcycle meet uh, over the weekend, and the track there's some changes that had to be made, and and so that's not available. But typically, the, on a year-round basis, weather permitting or not at event time, uh, you can take that. And then at certain times of the year, there is a what they call a behind-the-scenes tour, which is a little more in-depth, and there's several uh, stops where you get off the bus and, and go into different buildings and see different views of the track. We'll have information about how you can visit here and book tickets and everything like that on our hot sheet for today's show at TravelBrigade.com. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We will be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here in Indianapolis. Of course, we were just talking about the Indy 500, a classic here in Indianapolis, something that you want to do. And even if you are not here during the Indianapolis 500, certainly you can go to the track and the museum year round. And of course, we were talking with St. Elmo's. We had an amazing meal there. I don't know if Jeff has quite recovered. He's still kind of, I can feel the steak in his stomach that he ate. It was about 32 ounces or something like that. It was absolutely amazing. We'll tweet some pictures out of that. But the food scene here in Indianapolis has been really fun to learn about. One of the fun things, St. Elmo's, of course, most incredible. I mean, the shrimp cocktail, of course, will put your mouth on fire. It's amazing. The steaks are amazing. The sides, the mashed potatoes were so good. Everything was so good. But what was really interesting is we've kind of talked about it a little bit with Laura Jordan, the pork tenderloin sandwiches. They're all the rage here. Yeah, and one of the great places to go get one is Mug and Bun. Pork tenderloin sandwich is sort of a piece of pork that's been pounded and then breaded and put on a sandwich. And there's different ways people go about putting toppings on it. Uh, I've seen barbecue sauce. I've seen pickles. I've seen a lot of different ways to do it. But whatever you put on it, it's delicious. 
And what's most important is who has the best, but who has the biggest one? They they kind of have this rivalry in town of who has the best one, who has the biggest one. And you'll find these big, big pork tenderloin sandwiches with the bun and the pork kind of sticking out both ends. So it's definitely kind of a unique Indianapolis treat. Another place we went that is downtown that was a fun place to go for breakfast is Patashu. They're really known for their omelets and their toasts. Another good breakfast place, and you can find these kind of in various locations throughout the city, is La Pipe. And even though it's got that sort of French name, it's really a lot of just good traditional American breakfast foods. If you're looking for something a little more Creole, you might want to go to Po' Boys. Over in the Fountain Square area, it's a fun little place. They've got some little bowling outside and bocce outside and some little fun activities, but really great food there. I had some nice red beans and rice. They were delicious. And first place I've ever been where I've seen alligator on the menu. Speaking of Fountain Square, that's one of our interviews coming up. We're going to be talking about duck pin bowling. you got to stay tuned if you want to find out what it is. But before that, we are going to go on a gondola ride down the canals here of Indianapolis and learn all about that and how you can do that here in the city. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. We will be right back. Travel Brigade, tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I'm here with Jeff Griffin. We are here in the city of Indianapolis doing all the fun things that there is to do. And one thing that has already taken me by surprise, we went over the street and we saw this beautiful canal. And what is better than a beautiful canal? A gondola ride on a beautiful canal. Who'd have thought you have to come to the Midwest to find a great gondola ride? Who knew? Yes, and not only that, but Gofredo. Can it a little roll it a little Gofredo is the owner and and not only that but he was taking us out on our tour today. Tell us a little bit about how this kind of came to be and the gondola rides and the canal. Well, we began our uh, company in Chicago in the year 2000. We brought a gondola service there. It had not been there since the Columbian Exposition of 1893. We were there for five years, and now we're in our 12th year here in Indianapolis. Uh, we moved down here to Indianapolis um, when the canal was ready. This canal was built in 1836 and uh, was sat empty for about 150 years until the ne- renovation of the 1990s. And uh, once the canal expanded enough for gondola service, we felt it was really time for gondolas to come here and be a part of the beautification of Indianapolis and the downtown district. And it's just such a beautiful city, and we really enjoy being part of it. We serenade on all the boats, and we're here every day, six months out of the year, typically from uh, Mother's Day, the first week in May, uh, until about mid-October is when we're here, and we're here daily. You can ride public boats uh, at 3, 5, or 7, or you can take a private boat with just your party between 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. at night. And all the operators sing in Italian. You can bring your own wine, champagne, or food from Fresco Cafe right here where we board, or you can bring a picnic basket from home. We have lots of different rides to choose from. One of the beautiful rides of the season is the fireworks ride, 4th of July. Seeing the fireworks from a gondola is really spectacular as well. This gondola isn't something you can just pick up at Dick's Sporting Goods, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, if you want a gondola, uh, you pay in advance, about three years in advance. 
and then that puts you in line for a gondola to be built. And uh, you wait in line that three years, and then it takes between six and eight months, depending upon how big of a gondola and how detailed and ornate it is. And gondolas range in price from about 75000 for a small little gondoletta to uh, about 150000 if we wanted to replace a gondola like this. Tell us a little bit about the training. Again, not only do you have a special boat, but you're just not this person who just, like, figured out how to do this overnight. Right. It's a two-year apprenticeship, and we teach here at this location. We don't we don't use power. We don't use motors. We, we do have the ability to uh, transport boats and move them around from museum to location if we need to, but we never use power with any guests. Uh, so it's all done with technique and rowing, and it is a rigorous job, very uh, physical job. Most people think it's all upper body strength, but it's really a full-body workout. Your legs are keeping the boat, boat balanced as you see any of the guests' movement in the boat. And um, the training, it takes about two years to become proficient. And then, uh, this is my 25th season rowing gondolas, and uh, I'm 50 years old. And uh, I just, I, it's my passion. It's really what I love doing. And if you love what you're doing, you never work a day in your life, of course. And uh, we, we have we have a really great team of uh, operators here, and um, they, they love it as much as I do, for sure. Now, the highlight of the trip. Not only do you take us on this beautiful canal ride, but you also sing some beautiful songs. Can you give us a sample of what you might do on a cruise? Absolutely. Non ti scordarti me, la vida mi allegati a te, io t'amo sempre più, nel sogno mio romanito. Non ti scordarti me, la vita mi allegati a te, che sempre io nido nel mio coperte. Non ti scordarti me, non ti scordarti me, non ti scordarti me. Bravo! Hey, Jeff, all I'm going to say is I'd like a little bit of that before bed every night. So if you could work on that. Maybe do you do an apprenticeship for, for singing as well? We we do. Well, there's only 50 singing gondoliers in the world. There's 600 gondoliers worldwide that work full-time, and about 50 of those sing. And uh, the first and foremost thing when you uh, apply for a position here, if you're already a gondolier, we, we listen to the voices first. And then uh, we, we uh, hold auditions for the apprenticeships, and only the best voices get to go through. Uh, and then they have to work on the physical aspect of it next. It's very rigorous. It's a tough job. We make it look beautiful and easy, but it's really, it's really a tough job. But I enjoy it. Perfect. We'll have information on our hot sheet for today's show. You can check that out at TravelBrigade.com. And you can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I'm here with Jeff Griffin. We're here in Indianapolis. And as you can hear, it sounds kind of like we're bowling in the background, but not quite. We're duck pen bowling. We're here in this uh, great neighborhood that's being revitalized. There's lots of really cool places we've been walking around just for a few minutes before we came in here. And we want to talk a little bit about this neighborhood and a little bit about some of the revitalization as well as this really fun activity, duck pen bowling. Yeah, we're here with Linton Calvert and he was one of the first people to come in here in the mid-90s and uh, open some businesses that have led to this area being rejuvenated. And, Linton, tell us a little bit about this area and what's here now. 
Well, this area now is really made up of a number of ethnic restaurants, a lot of opportunity for people to come and enjoy a day or an evening with cocktails and drinks or just a, a nice dinner at a different ethnic food, and they're all privately owned, so the families are ones who cook and, and provide that. Our building here was originally a vaudeville theater, became a movie theater, and it closed in 57, so that what we found was a vacant building, 70,000 square foot, five stories tall. And with that today, what we've got is two bowling alleys, which are Duckman bowling alleys, which is predominantly still a game that's an East Coast game. It's been around since 1900. We have a, re a hotel on the third floor. We have then two restaurants. And with that, uh, a number of things in addition uh, with that, a rooftop restaurant in the summers that's open. With that, then the neighborhood is made up of a number of different things. The cultural trail has made us connected to the entire city so that you can walk on or ride on it, the bicycle you can rent. And with that, today, with the new electric cars coming to this area, to our city, um, you can really get around very economically and enjoy Fountain Square and the surrounding areas of this city. Tell us a little bit about duck pin bowling. We just tried it. It's a blast. Explain a little bit about the size of the ball and the pins and everything and why this game is kind of fun because nobody's really better than anybody else. Well, the game of duck pin bowling uh, began in 1900 in a little area in Baltimore, Maryland. And with that, the game was named duck pin because of a sports writer uh, that came in and said, boy, it looked like a covey of ducks. So when you hit the pins, they kind of jumped up. So it's really nothing to do with just the sports writers writing that. Now, the pin itself was made by a guy who took a broken tin pin. And a tin pin today, as most people have played, is 15 inches tall, but at the neck is only 9 inches. So he took this broken pin, put it on the lathe, and made it into a pin that's now considered the duck pin. The balls, though, because balls were used based on a size, nobody got a ball by the weight. You would have a 5-inch, a 6-inch, a 7, 8, and a 9-inch ball. And the reason the balls varied was because the smaller ones were lighter and weight easier to handle by the young kids, young ladies, and so forth. And as you got older, a young man got a 6 or 7 or 8-inch diameter ball. And the large ball, the 9-inch, is the one that you use in most bowling alleys today. But again, with that being said, it was a game in which a round ball didn't matter the size. A pin boy would roll it back to you. So it was a game that was really uniquely enjoyed by the entire family, but it was a game that became a gambler's game for the men because the better bowler couldn't get a bet. But in this game, nobody's any good, so everybody would be willing to make a bet. And what we found by bringing it here to this city in 86 and, and reopening this game of fun and enjoyment, we have corporates who come here for team building. We have families who come here with two-year-olds and 90-year-olds. And everyone is equally bad. So shooting 100 is a tough score. It's not that you can't shoot 300, but it's never been a perfect game bold. And even though you can strike on the first ball, I don't think you and your group have yet and spares are even hard to come by and which is on the second ball but in this game you get three tosses and that third ball the best you can do is get 10 pins it's called a count ball so you can get a strike spare and a count but it's again a game that's uh, really enjoyable because everyone's equal everyone has fun and everybody gets to laugh at each other because we all think we're going to be good, and then we end up not being that well, that good at this game. I noticed too, uh, we're here bowling, but this sort of the theater and this building is sort of the central hub of, of this neighborhood.
neighborhood. I noticed you have an old-fashioned uh, soda fountain downstairs, and you also mentioned that you have uh, a limited room hotel as well. Can you tell us about those? Well, the soda fountain uh, originally had come here in 59 when Woolworth came here, and we retained a part of that soda fountain. And so you can get a, a malt, you can get a Sunday, you can get a burger, fries. So those things are available in building, and you can order those things here in the bowling alley, and they would bring them to the bowling alley as well. Our hotel then is a conversion of which that third floor had been offices, doctors, lawyers, professional people. And so we took those rooms and converted them into hotel rooms. And they're more of a boutique hotel in that the rooms are done very upscale. They have foam mattresses. Most of them are separate bedrooms with doors on them. So it's kind of like a small apartment. And they were done based on the fact that here we had these rooms and this building's all concrete, reinforced steel. So what we had, what we converted into in terms of using those rooms and those offices now into to bedrooms. And, and so with that, you can go to the internet, look up Fountain Square Indy, that's indy.com, and you can do a 360 tour of each of the hotel rooms, as well as you can tour our entire building. Great. We will have that information on today's hot sheet for the show. You can check that out at travelbrigade.com, and you can also stay tuned for more things in Indianapolis. We're not leaving here until I get a strike, so dig in, put some coffee on, and uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how long it takes. Now, stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We will be right back. They don't always agree, but they always seem to have their reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here in Indianapolis enjoying all there is to do here. It's a beautiful city. We've had beautiful views, very accessible, lots of fun while we're here. It's been a great stop, and there's been so many great things to do. It's going to be hard to narrow them down to just three top ones for he said, she said. As always, she said goes first. Well, we're sitting right here in a big, beautiful hotel. It towers the skyline here, the JW Marriott. It is a beautiful hotel, impeccable service, wonderful rooms, wonderful view. That has been one of my favorite things, being here and staying here at the JW Marriott. has one of my picks. My number three was all the great family activities there are to do here. We talked a little bit about duck pin bowling in this episode. There's also the Children's Museum and the zoo, which are incredible. Switch over to our Indianapolis Family Activities episode, and you can hear more about those. My number two is the gondola ride. First of all, totally unexpected. I did not expect the canals. Um, had the gondola, went down to the canals, can go in a shop and pick up drinks and gelato and really fun things. Listen to the gondolier, sing in beautiful Italian, beautiful songs. And it was absolutely fun, amazing, very unexpected in such a big city. And so I would say that. My number two was White River State Park. It's right next to downtown. I love it when cities take the time and the space to put a park next to downtown. I feel like the people who laid out Indianapolis were sort of reading my mind. First, they put it on a grid, and then they put a park there. It's everything you'd want in a city. My number one, still recovering the amazing food here in Indianapolis, particularly St. Elmo's Steakhouse. The steak was amazing, absolutely cooked perfectly. The sides were delicious. We all got different things so we could try different things. The desserts, 
the steak, the drinks, those were fun. The potatoes, all different kinds of potatoes you have. And of course, the shrimp cocktail with the horseradish that will like literally clear sinuses for a month. Absolutely uh, great and old school. And you could tell one of my favorite parts, the waiter who handed us his own little business card. Amazing. Yeah, I'm also going to have to go with St. Elmo's as my number one, where I should say you stole mine. But anyway, it was an incredible place. Yeah, not only just all the food that you talked about, but the whole atmosphere in the place and the feel you got from it. There are a lot of different steakhouses, and what's really cool is how they can all do their own thing and make it their own way. These guys have obviously been doing it right because they've been around for over 100 years. As usual, you can check out all of these places on our links at the hot sheet for today's show, which you can find at TravelBrigade.com. And you can also tweet us at Travel Brigade. We'll be at another great destination next week. In the meantime, please remember, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, make sure you join us next week. See you next week and enjoy the trip. You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com.